Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vin. And Z, today we've got another interesting topic. A lot of this just comes up through our discussions of what's happening in the world and what's happening with human health. So we're talking about anger. Why are people so mad and what makes them mad, more importantly? It's interesting now because if you look at the current environment, you've got a lot of people who are getting very upset about politics on one side or the other. Just to take an example, not trying to choose sides over here, but just as an example, we have people who are very mad about the FBI. So what happened recently, the FBI had a warrant. They went in, uh, they searched uh, Trump's residence in Florida. They took some documents that he'd taken from the White House. These were classified documents, and, and he hadn't returned the documents. So it seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do. Apparently, they'd been in touch with him, and he hadn't returned the documents this potentially posed a threat to national security. So they went in, they had a warrant, and recovered the documents. But there was a lot of outrage around this. So in the wake of this, people are getting very upset about the politicization of the FBI and why are they going after Trump and they're not going after Biden. And in fact, it's leading to violence, which is interesting. I mean, violence has already been ticking up. But we're seeing people with AR-15s shooting up FBI offices. They're people who are basically on suicide missions because they're so angry and upset that they're they're willing to lay their lives down uh, to go after the FBI or make a statement supporting Trump. And as we've been talking about, Z, the question isn't necessarily why are people angry, but why do we choose to be angry about certain things and not other things? As you pointed out, the FBI has a history of doing things that are fucked up. Uh, They've assassinated civil rights leaders. They've gone after suspected communists. Uh, We can look at the history of this country more recently. Uh, Look at all of the people who were detained in the wake of 9-11 who had nothing at all to do uh, with the terrorist plot, with the attacks, but they were detained for years. In some cases, they were tortured. So a lot of horrible things have happened in recent history. Even right now, if we look at what's happening in the world, there was all of this anger about Ukraine, which has disappeared now that Ukraine is out of the news cycle. Uh, You look at Afghanistan, which we've talked about in the past, we have people who are starving to death. The U.S. pulled out last year. Because of that, the economy collapsed. And people are estimating that over 1 million children will die from starvation. This was even before more of the problems that came about through the Russia-Ukraine war. So the situation has probably gotten even worse. But think about that. A million children dying of starvation. Horrible. I mean, just so horrible. I can't even imagine it. It's a number that doesn't make sense to me. But no one's talking about it. No one seems to care. So it's kind of like if you do have all of this anger, and anger can certainly be channeled towards good. It's a force for change. It's an impetus to stand up and take some action. We can move that in productive ways. Why are we angry about certain things and not others? Why are we angry about certain causes or certain affiliations and for a lot of the problems that we see in the world and causes which potentially are more deserving, people don't seem to care at all. It just fades into the rearview mirror. Uh, Perhaps either they're not aware of it or they choose not to be aware of it. And 
I'm really curious about your perspective on this. I, I don't want to uh, to ruin the conversation, but I'll give a little bit of a preview. We've been talking about how just the way the brain is wired, how the brain works, that focuses our attention on certain things and makes us blind to other things. So if we understand the mechanism of anger and why we cho choose to focus on certain events and situations and not others, it actually gives us insight into what we care about, how we think, how we're wired, and we might be able to change that to improve ourselves. So that's a bit of a preview of the conversation. But Z, before we go all the way down that path, I just want to hear your thoughts on anger. It, what is your perspective? Why is it that you, you think that people are getting so outraged right now about events that don't really have that much to do with their day-to-day -day life, and they're so oblivious or unconcerned about much more destructive events that are happening in the world? Vin, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of frame it in a way that I hope people can understand uh, based on my experiences working with people and what we're trying to do, at least at the Dharma Health Institute and with our Dharma Media Project, is the mission is to mitigate human suffering. And I've said that before. I'm going to complete, always say that. And I feel that by understanding our workings, how we work, by having steady intelligence, we put ourselves in a better position to live this life out in a healthier manner, both physically, emotionally, and psychologically, and socially. Most of our suffering is self-inflicted. Most of our suffering is tethered to our ignorance. Oftentimes people will think, well, I have a high IQ or do that, thus I am emotionally intelligent. No, you're not. That doesn't go hand in hand. So when I see all this and I'm observing this behavior, I think about what's causing it because what you're looking at isn't causing it. The event isn't causing it. It's just, it's simply a spark in a volatile room that's waiting for a fire to go off. All of these events that you're seeing have already, uh, the, the, Conditions of an explosion have always existed. There's a million of these, millions of these conditions all over in our society with people, individuals, collectively with tribalism and all this kind of stuff. It's just waiting for a spark. The spark is like the neurosynoptic uh, firing of the brain. There's a current in your brain that fires up any brain action and alternative action or contradictory action creates a spark, so there's, then that leads to action, like the combustion in an engine. So, but you have to have the right chemistry and the right moment to get it to expand, explode, do whatever. So that's where we're at, and we're seeing these things played out every day socially and politically. There is a higher degree of rage, anger, and violence. People are aware of this all over the country, but there's also a higher level of, of ignorance through the disconnect, through the tribalism, and these sorts of things that are making these things even worse. So you look at areas where there's a tremendous amount of gun violence going on. These are all places that have created a political fight over the Second Amendment. Now, I'm a, I'm a proponent, not an opponent, of the Second Amendment concept, but I don't have a political stake in all of this, um, wherever it goes, I just basically come from the point of view 
of I just don't want to be governed by anybody. I don't trust government. I don't trust bureaucrats. I don't trust people who want to be involved in controlling other people and receiving kickback for it. Nothing good has ever come up. The system has failed. The system has collapsed. And just because it was so big and so massive, it's like a train that jumped the track a mile earlier, but it's still going five miles uh, off the track because of the sheer girth weight, mass, and momentum of the train. That's what the U.S. is doing right now. People can argue it for patriotic reasons, but if you looked at it from a purely point of view of science, math, and reason logic, the experiment of democracy has collapsed. It doesn't work. The people have shown it doesn't work. I didn't ask for that. People will feel bad about hearing it, Oh, you know, what, why are you telling me I'm fat? I only weigh 350 and I'm two, you know, I'm, I'm five feet tall. So they'll get mad. I, I, what you said is true, but I don't like the way you say it. America's exceptional I, I, I think because I live here. No, let's compare it. Let's compare literacy, infant mortality, the general happiness of people, common violence. It, it, it scores way low on that list. So when we look at the events of the day, for example, people have elevated the former tr president to a deity. How does that happen? How do intelligent people deify in a non-extraordinary person? Um, even an extraordinary person, how do you become thanks you, how do you become deified? How do you decide this person is on the level of a Buddha, a Jesus, or whatever? Well, it's because the amplification of alienation in general and, and, and the amplification of tribalism in the, in the micro where people really want to be affiliated with something and once they get affiliated with that, they want to defend it no matter what it is. They're unable to make adjustments. This is a common problem with all people, not just those people who are killing themselves or wanting to attack the FBI. And they say, well, this is a good reason to attack law enforcement. Mm. Now, I can quote many people I know who would knee-jerk say, BLM and Antifa are bad. They're, they're violent people. And I remember having conversations with numerous people saying, I observe the behaviors of all these groups. What I look for is, are they actionable? Are they militarized? Are they organized in such a way where they could do harm? And the answer to that is no. Something like the Black Lives Matter movement, they're looking for provisional slavery, they're annoying, they yell in the streets, they do that. Antifa, who, there, there's no particular headquarters, there's no, it's an idea, it's a philosophy. They're not going to rifle ranges, they're not arming themselves, uh, they're not doing any of that. I've, I've had this discussion before. They're not uh, preparing for paramilitary operations. They're not doing any of this. All security organizations globally have acknowledged this, that at the end of the day, they're not a threat to the functionings of government or society, only in the sense that they create minor chaotic situations and inconveniences. 
they're, they're what called nuisance organizations. On the other hand, the far right-wing organizations are highly militarized. They're actionable. They, are, they invest and commit to acts of violence. They have underlying ideologies and themes of reactionary military stormtroopers. That's part of their philosophy. I didn't make it up. They say it. So if you were to do the calculation in a time of social unrest, who would be the threat to society as a whole? But because many people have chosen sides politically, be it left-wing or right-wing, they frame a perspective of their side being more humane, more reasoned, more logical. They're all wrong from a point of view of math, calculations, real fact-finding. But humans aren't like that. We're human beings with emotions, with sensations, with feelings. And the brain is not only a computer that has logic, reasoning, and so forth, but it's also tethered to our philosophical yearnings, what we've been taught all our life, how we see the world, how we frame the world. Our heroes are infallible. Our individual heroes are often seen as infallible, where someone else's heroes are failed heroes. When you think about the behavior, for example, that people are complaining about who, um, who are into the Trumpian thing, and I use that as an example, not because I don't really care. I don't believe in any of these people, but I use that because that's the one. They weren't angry when the FBI did not arrest the woman who got Megger Evers killed, human rights violence. They weren't angry when the Philadelphia Police Department dropped a bomb on a group of natural living people. They weren't angry with the spying and assassinations and kill orders of human rights workers for years, jailing, destroying the lives of people. They weren't angry at that. They weren't angry at regime changes all over the world that caused the crisis of the moment. None of that bothered or angered them or motivated them to move or action at all. But when a person they perceive to be their hero or their representative uh, was held accountable for really basic stuff. I was in the military. I had a top secret security clearance. You were not allowed to move certain documents. You were allowed to read things, certain things. And they have, not only do they have something called top secret, they have something called top secret with need to know. Okay, so that's even another level of top secret. At that time when I was in the military, those were crimes that were actually crimes of treason, of high treason, there were capital crimes. And I was told even then that nobody is above the law. They, they, they drilled it into you. Even if the president has this, he must be supervised. And any one of those generals or administrators who saw a problem with that could, could hold him accountable. And he, too, would be considered a treasonous person. This has always been around, except when it's your guy. Except when it's your guy.
See, this is the problem with our thinking and what I want of all of us who are opting out is to not use this understanding <clears throat> to validate your political view or ideology, but to look in ourselves and see why do we tolerate certain behaviors from our family members, our associates or whatever, but others that we might not be that close to, <clears throat> we hold to an extraordinary high bar of excellence. How do, why do we let ourselves get away with certain behavior that we wouldn't let others get away with? This is a fault in our thinking, in our behavior. This is a malthought. And that malthought can lead us down a horrible path and undermine all the good work we do. We want to be healthy. We want to live a long, fruitful life. We want to be vibrant every day of our life here. These are the ravages of the soul and the being. How do we reject tribalism, the inherent biases that are built into certain parts of the brain? Well, we do it by first awareness, by not pointing the finger outward, but pointing the finger inward. When you see this crazed behavior, people willing to kill themselves for an archetype, not the man or woman, but an archetype of an idea. We want to see if we have any of those remnants in us and pump the brakes on that. Why do we reject things that are obviously good for us? Exercise a few minutes a day, sourcing your food properly. taking healthy breaks in our lives from the chaos, a fast, a chaos fast. We know we can do that, but why don't we? Do we think by some magical or uh, celestial intervention that we can just make ourselves okay? No. I believe that everybody benefits from some sort of self-check model. Then beyond that, every family benefits from self-check or some sort of uh, time to do an audit of our behavior, our interaction. Whenever we audit that behavior, we're able to improve. But in order to audit, it requires a level of emotional intelligence to be able to accept that you are not perfect. That before we point the finger anywhere, go inside. I think the Christians have a funny thing that they say about, they say, where is God? And God is within, even though everybody looks out and looks at Scott. They say that. The Buddha said, trust your intelligence. And if you don't trust it, cultivate it so you can trust it. So all of these philosophies, both the more contemporary and the ancient ones, tell us to go inward in order to review, to reflect, to find, but also to audit the harassment of the ego. For any of us who are into tribalism, audit that, get out of that, because our tribe should be fluid and hopefully based on shared principles and ideas that have some sort of structure that allows sustainability for us to be healthy people. Be it you call yourself political, a left or right wing, it's still one of the wings on an airplane. 
an airplane with one wing is more than likely going to be very difficult to stay in the air. That's why you see this nation falling in a way most have never seen in, in their lifetime. The, you'll see less social safety, less stability. And I'm not saying this to sound ominous and bleak because there are formulas. You, as we withdraw a little more from conventional social actions and behaviors, we tend to be better off. So the gas prices are high. Let's drive a little less. There's dangers in these shopping malls and, and things like that. They're, they're mistreating children at all these playlands. Do other stuff with your kids. I mean, your kids were out here, Vin. My kids, they had a great time at the park. They didn't need to go to KKK Legoland or, 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 or Nazi Disney or any. And they, we don't have to sue anybody. We don't have to go where we're not welcome. And those places are declining. We don't have to risk their life and limb trying to be in with the in crowd. I want to be out with the in crowd, finding our own way, cultivating our own very fluid and dynamic community interactions where we're cultivating ourselves and not feeling like we're missing out on something. There was warnings out, because I keep up with that kind of stuff because I still have more of a martial consciousness, about crowd gatherings and chatter on these different by the way, different right-wing websites about rebellion and taking action. So this isn't a good time to go to the movies. Not that you're scared or anything, but it's not worth it. You can stream at home. You can actually make organic popcorn at home, invite some friends over and stream. Organic popcorn is actually better than microwave. My wife bought some organic popcorn. It was, it was real popcorn, different colors. Uh, the, the little things pop up. They're 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 different. You've had that organic popcorn cake. The stuff is great. Isn't it great? I, I used to go to the movies just for the popcorn and Twizzlers because I consider the movies a diplomatic zone of health. So if you eat healthy like me, you could screw up at the movies. That was my thing. You go to the movies and you get some Twizzlers popcorn and um, Junior Mints, right? Which is horrible. But at the movie theater, it doesn't affect your health while you're watching a movie. So it has no negative effect. That was my philosophy when I would go to the movie. But I don't do that anymore because now they have a lot of the political issues of the day have created so much phantom rage in people that you risk your life going to the movies. So don't do it. And you know what? You'll be fine. I, I, everything's at home. Go to, you, go to YouTube. Be a man. Get on YouTube. So for those of us who are opting out, just having the narrative to speak that, right? This is a sinking boat, what's going on out here. Just get off the boat. Get on, get on your lifeboat with the people that you support, love, and care about you. Connect with other lifeboats of healthy people and get on. Learn things. There's so much. I'm trying to teach Caitlin how to put brake pads on her car, right? So she learned how to go around. She's driving around. Car doesn't stop. Uh, one more problem in L.A. Uh, another, you know, she wants to shoot through intersections with no brakes. She was inspired by some event in L.A. It was really horrible. So I'm showing her how to do brakes. So now she's learning something. Her and her boyfriend may or may not come over and teach him how to use a wrench and things like that. And now they're growing as a couple. They're growing. as this is, We can do things that are fun. This is fun stuff. Right? You guys, you may go to Italy. You don't need to be apart. And what I'm saying to all of us who are opting out, you're not missing anything. 
people are, are, are killing themselves because Trump broke the law. I'm just using that as an example. How crazy have things got? I'd go straight. Nobody would protest if I went to jail for not even doing a crime. People have been locked up forever for doing nothing. People lose their lives in traffic stops. I'm, I've always said, why don't we get mad about no account, no auditing or accountability for the police department, policing? The judiciary has fell apart. People have zero confidence in the judiciary. There's no confidence in it. The general population, both left and right, have no confidence in the justice system because of political polarization. So it's a thieves' paradise, right? For those of us who are, are civil, trying to strive for higher levels of experience and enlightenment, hunker down, but be aware of let us be aware of what makes us mad. Not just mad in temperament, but mad in terms of sanity. Let us not become mad men and mad women caught up in the things going on because we're witnessing things that are very traumatic. So we all can be subject to post-traumatic stress um, episodes and so on because what's going on isn't healthy. I went in the store the other day, I, I think, again, it, it's always crazy. We went to get the kids some things, and my wife was looking at some fashions, and she said, well, I wear a small. So she tried on a small, and it was way too big, way too big. It was uh, more like a large. So she had to go to something, I didn't even know they had a size called XSXSS, extra, extra, extra small. And it was like a baby's number, but... It fit her because we've adjusted reality to the unhealthy condition of society. We've, we've adjusted medications. I saw an ad where you can just buy testosterone in the mail with no real regulation or in anybody telling you how to take it. Well, we're going to see cases of cancer spike. So you can just buy estrogen and testosterone through the mail and inject it yourself. Because we're accommodating gender fluidity, um, which is um, also something that's been affected by our food supply. If anybody doubts it, simply look it up and see that there are chemicals used in the production of food that cause gender ambiguity in all creatures on Earth. And we're a creature on earth, whether we like it or not. Again, it's not knocking anybody because there's a certain small population, percentage of population since the beginning of time that are gender, gender ambiguous. Nothing wrong with that. But when you start getting high percentages of that, we need to look at things. You go to certain areas of the country and people aren't that smart. And you find that there are high levels of lead in the water and toxic chemicals of all kinds, especially in areas where they mine, right? Where they test nuclear stuff, where they make plastics, um, and you, you have uh, the auto industry that pumped a lot of lead into the water. 
and you complain that, hey, these people are dumb as hell. Yeah, they are. They're dumb as hell because they've been fed lead for generations. So it's actually destroyed their ability to think. It's diminished their ability uh, to access executive function. You are what you eat. You are what you put in your body. So a lot of times you're mad, not because of the event in front of you, but how you process that event. And your philosophy or your ideology in life has affected the way you see the world. You're not mad at what's going on in, in, in let's say, Yemen, but you're mad at what's going on in Ukraine. Yemen doesn't bother you. Ukraine does. Dead babies are dead babies. Certain dead babies bother you. Certain dead babies won't. What's your philosophy? The pollution of the environment and global warming, you don't believe it because a person not on your political side said it. Or a person on your political side said it, but you feel helpless. Well, you are. Because most of the stuff was put in place a long time ago. So all we can do is do our part in almost a religious way to show reverence for the earth in the way that we do things and, and take responsibility for our role in the destruction of our common mother. So now we're getting into more existential spiritual work. Yeah, the planet is not going to be what it used to be because, again, people hate it. Capitalism at its best. Make money, make money, make money. Make money, make money, make money. The limits of growth, as it was said in a book written in 1972. We've seen the end result of that. Hotter days, no water. It was all predictable. But each person in that moment didn't care because they had enough water for themselves. They had enough fresh air for themselves. They had enough food on their plate. That is the low nature of human beings, all of us. Let us acknowledge that. So now that we're at that point, let the higher consciousness see the path we've taken and accept that and make small adjustments in our individual lives and in our collective community lives. Let us do good by each other. But drop the, drop the madness, this idea that this polarization and tribalism for those enlightened even though you must defend yourself against it. There are people that will hate you because of the, they're just, there are always going to be people that hate you just because you are what you are, whatever they perceive that to be. Be aware of that. Be on guard. Keep your head on a swivel for that. But generally find places that are, that are not only physically safe for you, but emotionally and psychologically and physically safe for you, for your health and your well-being, your general way of thinking. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it seems like there are a couple of things that we're talking about, which I want to tease out a little bit more. One is that we just have people who've reached a level of complete insanity. And part of that is the tribalism, and part is just the baseline stress, maybe the, the diet of hatred that you get from social media. All of these trends that we've seen in society are affecting people. Uh, the pandemic led to unusual levels of stress, and we're seeing that come out. Uh, so one prescription, which is very simple, because we're always trying to get to, okay, what should we do about it? If we want to manage our health, how do we survive? How do we navigate this world? One simple thing that we're talking about is the opt-out philosophy. 
that we don't have to be around these crowded places. We don't have to put ourselves at risk. No need to engage in meaningless discussions to prove a point, to satisfy the ego. Go where you're welcome. Focus on things that are important, which is more around the people that you're spending time with instead of just lining up to go be the first one at the new Disney ride and stand there for hours with thousands of other people and put yourself at risk. So that to me, Z, is is clear. Uh, we're in some ways, it's a new normal. And when conditions change, when things get more stressful, we want to hunker down. Maybe it's more than hunkering down. Maybe this is an extended period and we change our habits. But I agree with you. I mean, the more time that I've been spending in this new reality that we've been in, and just adjusting habits, I find, like you, that I prefer being at home most of the time. I prefer being grounded with family, with people that I'm close to. I don't have a need to be in crowded spaces. It doesn't do anything for me. In fact, it it takes things away. It adds to anxiety, to stress. It puts us on a schedule. It requires more resources, more coordination. I just find things are more relaxing when you've got a self-contained environment. You've got a group of close people that you care about, and... You don't have to deal with people who are going to take your time, your energy, or situations that are going to put you in danger. So that's one thing that that we can consider. And if we go back to the narratives that we have and, and the way that our brain is wired, I believe uh, just looking at the world and seeing how I used to operate, how some of my family and friends operate, we have the sense that we have to be doing something, that we have to cram in as much activity as possible we have to try out new things. Life is a buffet. Let's go and go and go. And certainly there's some truth to that, but I, I do feel like we need to reconsider that narrative. So let's be a little more judicious. Let's make sure that we are doing things that are going to add value to us and not just doing for the sake of doing, which to me takes us out of the present moment, leads to more stress and anxiety. It gives us very little in return. And as you point out, Z, in this day and age, it exposes us to pandemics, to monkeypox, to COVID, to crazy shooters. So why do any of that? Let's first examine what we care about, be very comfortable and very clear on what we want to get out of life and organize our life that way. And this is along the lines of let's do more with less. Let's see what we can divest. Let's see what we can let go of and just strip life down to its essentials, the things that serve us and forget about everything else. So that's one point that's coming out very clearly from this discussion. The other point I want to get into a little bit more and get your perspective on this idea about why do certain things make us so mad? And you touched on some of the reasons why we might be mad about one thing and not another thing. Tribalism is a big part of this. Uh, so if our tribe and the people we identify are mad about it, then if we're not very thoughtful, we just want to be accepted by the tribe. We want to go along and be able to have conversations with other people that we interact with. We don't want to create friction. And it just becomes easier to support the view of the tribe as opposed to standing out and saying, is this really true? Uh, is this something that makes sense? Uh, that requires thought. <laughs> it requires potential or at least a potential conflict with other people. Uh, so that is something that pushes us towards this state of selective anger uh, just the general level of anger, as you pointed out, Z, is increased. Uh, so in some ways, we're just looking for something to be angry about. Uh, that's something that we need to watch out for. Uh, there was another idea that I had that we we talked about a little bit before we got into the podcast, this idea of permission, of sanction, uh, where if you have people who are telling you that it's okay to be angry, you've got a leader who's standing up and giving you cover, 
then people fall in line. And maybe that has something to do with the tribalism point that we're talking about. Uh, but if we get away from people who are more on the low consciousness end of the spectrum and look at some of our community, uh, the opt-outs, how should we go about this? I mean, you talked about doing an inventory or an audit. So sitting down and, and thinking about what makes us angry versus what doesn't and using that to inform a better understanding of our narratives on life. So if I am angry about this, but I'm not angry about that, if it's Ukraine, but not Yemen, uh, if it's the Democrats, but not the Republicans, what does that say about the way that I'm wired, about my personal values, about what I care about? And should I reconsider that? Do I want to change the way that I think about the world, think about myself? So let's get your perspective on that. Can you say a little bit more about that? If we really want to take control of ourselves and almost use this anger as a teachable moment, what is that prescription for how we evaluate ourselves and potentially change some of the ways that we think about life? Ben, some of the classical philosophy books have this concept, and we may have spoke about this before, but we'll highlight it here, being agreeable. Right. So what do they mean by that? That doesn't mean that you're this passive person that just goes along with anything. But you're able to objectively sit back, see the world as it is, and you agree that this is the way it works. I agree that ice is cold and fire is hot. I won't try to embellish it and make it something it's not. That is agreeable. When it comes to dealing with people, you can figure people's views of the world out within a few words that they speak to you. And if they speak topically on the events of the day, you can tell where their investment is in the poison of politics. You know a right-winger when you're driving down the street and you see the Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Don't Matter flag, or the Union Jack, or um, uh, Hello Brady, or whatever they put on their cars to say that they hate Biden. You will know a left-winger by they'll have some sort of anti-Trump thing on there, or some daisies, or rainbow flag, or something like that. And they're announcing their tribe. Everybody's announcing their tribe, which is announcing I'm ready to fight. I don't know who, but anybody that doesn't support my bumper sticker is my enemy. That's what they're saying. For us, we don't, we don't have bumper stickers on our cars. I don't want to be provocative. I'm not afraid, but I'm just trying to get through my life. And the distraction of provoking people uh, takes away from my focus on what I'm trying to do, build, and create. So for those of us who are opting out, we want to be agreeable. Just move in that invisible line of people who think for themselves. No bumper stickers. No, um, no signaling. No, none of these things, whatever that term they use is, how do you signal whatever you're into. And listen. And you'll hear certain words that people say, certain things they talk about you'll find out where their energy is at. But also don't have a, a re, reaction to judgment. Let me explain to you. Let me tell you. Let me explain the facts to you. Facts don't matter anymore. Truth, as you said, Vin, so well, 
um, truth is offensive nowadays. Telling the truth is considered offensive. So be very diplomatic, and as you engage people outside of the citadel of enlightenment that you're trying to be within, and you'll get along. You can get through things better. You may not always get along, but you can navigate through without that. I worry that for us as we're moving through this, that there is so much more spiritual and physical danger. What I mean by spiritual, it's just emotional stress of getting by. I was taking the children to school the other day, and we have to queue up in traffic. And one of the parents was so angry that there was a lot of traffic. Look, you're dropping off hundreds of elementary school kids at a school. And you're going down a small two-way street that's barely big enough for one car to go in one direction. It's a two-way street that's so small that if a car is coming towards you, somebody has to yield tightly over next, like they're parking, parallel parking to get to another car by. So she was so angry, she just sped through there and tore the door off someone else's car. Had to stop $20,000, $30,000 worth of damage to one car, the inconvenience and all that. What are you, hell, are you mad about? I don't want to be those people. What are they mad about? We, but we, you turn on the radio, you turn on, you go from the left or the right of the dial, and it's hate, hate all day. For those of us who want to be healthier people, let's tr avoid listening to that. Or audit yourself when it's this constant dread, hate, dread, hate. We see what's become of our society. We know. Drive through any street in L.A., you have the homeless encampments. You have the roving insanity. You, you, it's hard to drive 20 miles, right, Katie, without seeing road rage. I mean, you drive, it, it's outrageous. We saw two events of road rage just going maybe a, a five-mile drive on the highway. Uh, people were swerving in and out of traffic, hitting cars, chasing each other. Um, a horrible accident. That's normal now. It just used to be normal. It's always been problems. With, maybe it's population density. Uh, I think it's something to do maybe the pandemic. There's so many things that we could speculate on. So as we're clearing our own head, as we're doing our own fast of the soul, be aware of that, but also visualize the life you want to live. Yesterday, the other day when that event happened, when the accident happened, I was sitting um, a car length ahead of the guy who got his tour tour. So I was, got my kid in school and I, I asked him, hey, do you need any help getting the door back on your car so you can get out of here? And I started to offer him help, and he was so grateful. And then someone else came along, and a neighbor was watching. And this woman came out of the house, an older woman came out of the house and said, I have a bungee cord if you guys need it. And just her, that act of support and kindness, lifted the vibration of our common humanity. Three strangers just helping each other out. She got it. He got it. He called me a few times thanking me. I got to know a little bit about him. He was from Uruguay or Paraguay, something like that. He was here. He had saved for years to buy the car, dropping his seven-year-old child off, young man, 40 years old, his seven-year-old. 
And he said, I think I would have lost it had you not been there. I worked so hard, I don't have much. But this is something that I really bought for, the first thing I ever bought for myself. And it's going to be okay. I have good insurance. I said, yeah, it's going to be okay. We're going to fix the car up and get, get you out of here. I called a friend who owns a body shop, Martin. He said, have him bring it over. I'll help him not only with the car, but with the deductible and with the way that the car is recorded as damaged so he will have a high resale value on the car. And he thanked me and the lady that was there was a beautiful uh, older woman, like I said, just came out of her house watching everything. She probably wouldn't have came out because she witnesses so much hell every day. People want humanity. I think people re some people remember when there were a few more decent people around. We remember when this wasn't the norm, right? And you could breathe easier. You're a little more relaxed. A shared act of kindness made you feel good about yourself. There's hope. Three people from three different parts of the world that kind of saw an idea the same, that we could help each other. It was beautiful. So it's still there. For those of us who are opting out, let us continue to network, support, invest in, cultivate these higher frequency notions and ideas that we have towards our world. Like they said, it ain't over until the fat lady sings. We still have time on this earth to make nice places, for, even if it's small islands, refuges of sanity, to cultivate our intellect to be healthy and well. In order to do that, though, we have to know our role and what's not right. Not the other guy, not the other girl, not the other man, not the other woman. But what are we doing wrong? What are we doing to add to the problem? And then extract our role in that that is negative and undermining the broader humanity, but even more intimately, our individual humanity. There is so much beauty at home. Home is where your heart is. There's so much beauty in the simplicity of acknowledging that we won't be here forever. We could die at any minute. We could lose everything overnight. And you see it also in the common media. Uh, there was a horrific drunk driver accident. A, a young man was working on his, uh, opened the hood of his car and somebody rammed the car and took his legs off, a young athlete. Both his legs. One day he's going somewhere, he stops to check on his car. The next minute he's in a wheelchair with no legs. We're all within a month. He can't even process the whole thing. Your life can change instantly. We know that. But while you have your life, while you have the beauty, the flower of the moment, nurture it, cultivate it, and protect it. But know your role in what's going wrong. Don't be a bumper sticker person right? Keep it in your heart. You don't need the symbolism, the agitation, the aggravation. We don't need that. The provocation. Forget all that. Save that energy to move this life raft forward to a better place. You know what I mean, Vin? Yeah, Z, what you're saying is powerful. It's a 
simple. It's a simple concept. Uh, going back to the way we started this conversation, people are just walking around mad and they're mad about different things. And why are you mad about one thing versus another? So there are a couple of ways of attacking this problem. One is to be more judicious about what you're mad about, which we've talked about a little bit. The other, which I think you're getting at, is why be mad to begin with? Why not do things that can diffuse situations instead of looking for reasons to go around being mad and shoot someone or beat someone down? Look for reasons to connect with humanity, uh, to hear other people's perspectives, to get to know them, uh, to stop proving that you're right. So listen to their stories and trying instead of trying to impose your will on other people. And it's interesting because when I look at what's happening today, just the attitude that certain people have, uh, if I think about the different people on social media, some of the different musicians that I'm following now, they're very talented, but a lot of them, it's like they've got a chip on their shoulder and they're in some cases very political. They're talking about what's happening in this country and listening to the lyrics, it's like they're gearing up for war, that they're excited to go and take part in some grand battle and come out victorious and come out on the side of righteousness. Uh, So if that's your mentality, it's probably not going to take that much to set you off and that you're looking for a reason to get mad. And as you're saying, Z, that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to diffuse situations. We want to connect with other people. And when you start doing that, a couple of things happen. One, as you mentioned, people just are starving for it. They're looking for ways to connect with others, to get out of tense situations, uh, to get back to more of a shared consciousness, a shared sense of connection. And I've seen this a lot recently. Uh, As I've been mentioning to you, there's a singer that I've gotten to know. He came to one of my open mics and saw what I was doing, uh, was really interested in my work, and we started working together. And this guy is an ultimate connector. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's taking an interest in people. He's asking them questions. He's showing an interest in their performances. Uh, He's talking about where they're from. He's complimenting them on their clothes. But not in a phony way, not in a way where he's trying to appease them. He's just trying to connect with people. He's very open-hearted. And it's amazing. It kind of reminds me of when we were in Florida uh, last year, uh, where we're down in the lobby. We're there for Shock G's funeral. And Z, people just descended on you. They were so happy to see you. And they talked about all the ways that you'd helped them and the, the impact that you'd had on their lives. You'd had such a strong impact, even though 30 years had passed between the time that you had that impact and the present day when we were out there last year. You made such a strong impact through that connection that they were still talking about it. And they still wanted to be in your corner And in fact, they accepted me because I was connected to you, even though they didn't know me. That's how powerful this connection is. And I I see it with this this singer uh, that I've been hanging out with, who's just able to to forge connections. But there's a certain discipline around it. I was kind of thinking about myself. We were out yesterday at one of these open mics in New York. And I was standing around. I was feeling a little bit awkward because you had all these young kids who were smoking weed, which I don't do. And they're 20 years younger than I am. And it's kind of like, what do I have in common with these people? I have nothing to say to them. Uh, But this guy that I was with, he took an interest in every single person and found some way to connect with every single one of them. And one, the dynamic totally changed. So that environment was something that people wanted to be a part of. That energy was drawing more people in. 
And we even got a couple of people who might want to collaborate with us on our project, uh, just from a few minutes of interaction. Uh, so I think you're right. I think people are starved for that. But to move away from this point of anger and dread and anxiety to something, as you're saying, Z, that's a little higher frequency, uh, that's, that's more human in a very true sense of the word, it, we have to be looking for it. So maybe that's the first thing that we do. It, check ourselves. Make sure that we're not out there looking for an excuse to be upset, looking for an excuse to beat other people down. Or if we are, let's deal with that before we go out into the world so that we're not bringing that energy into different interactions. And the flip side of that is that when we are interacting with people, we can cultivate that interest. We can look at them as, as friends instead of adversaries. I also thought it was interesting because uh, you've mentioned to me in the past how in Africa, there's no word for stranger. So everyone is welcoming and that changes the dynamic. You've got families that maybe don't know each other that well, but they're all there on the playground, hanging out together. Uh, whereas you take a different environment, people are more suspicious, they're more standoffish. Uh, because they've cultivated that mindset of the world, that it's an unfriendly place. And it's not to say that we should throw safety out the window. As we've been talking about, we need to be aware of the environment, but we can also change that dynamic that we have with people. And that raises the vibrations, it raises the energy of whatever group we're a part of, and it really restores our humanity. I mean, that's what I got yesterday, that's also what I get from listening to you uh, we just feel more connected. We feel more at peace. Uh, we're not walking around with that chip on our shoulder or that residual stress. Uh, so as I think about it, Z, I mean, maybe you can close this out over here. But as we're doing that inventory, uh, just to summarize some of what we've been talking about, we should take ourselves out of those stressful situations where people are angry, where they're losing it. We should check ourselves, number one, to make sure that we're not getting angry because of tribalism. We're not getting selectively angry at some situations and not others uh, just because we've got a particular political affiliation. Uh, we're not going through the world with double standards. That becomes very stressful to manage. And then finally, let's just find some, some peace in our own hearts. So let's change the way that we interact with people, uh, which will benefit us, but it also benefits every single interaction that we're a part of. So those are the thoughts that I have. And anything you want to add, feel free. Man, you covered it. I would say for all of us who are opting out, let's really learn to self-audit ourselves because there's a lot of information streaming that can suck you in. It's designed that way. And you'll find yourself polarizing yourselves and, and becoming more narrow-minded, more unhealthy. Um, what I say, I have a mantra, they're all bad. All zombies are bad. Right? Like a, like a horror movie I watched called Kill All Zombies, right? So when you think about the political nature of things, is there one politician that you would trust to babysit your kid? Not one of them. Um, there's none of them that are there for your interests. Those days are over. Um, people, we're on our own, and let's make the best of it by working cooperatively together to cultivate ourselves, find security and extensions of that good energy so that when we interact with each other, we have a chain of commerce that is holistic, healthy, um, supportive, um, beneficial, enlightening, and all those good things. That's kind of it, Ben. All right. All right. Yeah. So to everyone out in the audience, stop being so damn mad, <laughs> so aggressive, uh, and... Yeah, I think uh, we'll end over here. Peace.
If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.